Hi, I'm Travis Foray, and this is the Returns Management Podcast by Return Logic, the show where we connect e-commerce store owners together through casual discussion and examine current myths and trends to keep you up to date on everything happening in the e-commerce world. Returns optimization, a new term, or so some think, but we've been talking about returns optimization since 2015. On today's episode, we're going to show you what all the hype is about and how you can optimize your returns process. My name is Travis Foray, and I'm a product marketing specialist here at Return Logic. And today, I'm joined by David Gonzalez, senior growth marketer here at Return Logic. So let's get this show rolling. You know, Travis, I feel like I just heard this returns optimization term somewhere else. I must be having some deja vu. Well, don't worry, David. You're not going crazy. Well, at least not in this specific instance, because we just did a whole episode on the returns hierarchy of needs. Ah, that's right. The the whole automation, visibility, and optimization thing. That's definitely where I heard it before. Or maybe it's top of mind because it's the new headline for one of our competitors' websites. But that's neither here nor there. Sheesh. Keep the gloves on there, David. Let's focus on our listeners. All right, all right, all right. So Travis, for those who haven't listened to the latest episode, the last episode, excuse me, let's jump into what returns optimization actually means. That's a great plan. So returns optimization is continuous improvement strategies that use returns data to improve the shopper experience, improve operational efficiency, and grow profits. Right. So it's probably a definition they have in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, I imagine. But if we boil it down, returns optimization focuses on improving the returns process, reducing return rates, streamlining operations, and increasing a customer's lifetime value. Okay, David, trying to steal my thunder. I see you. Well, an even easier way of explaining it is that returns data fuels returns optimization. I'll do you one better. Returns optimization helps retailers mitigate the number of returns they have to deal with overall. Wow, one-upper. Well, let's, let's be clear, let's be clear. I'm not suggesting that retailers will have less returns as they grow. What I'm saying is with returns optimization, retailers won't have to deal with as many sales becoming returns in the first place. As an analogy, instead of throwing a Band-Aid on the problem, you're cauterizing the wound. Wow. Looks like that pre-med degree didn't go to waste there, David. Yeah, tell it to my dad. Well, David's father, if you're listening in, just know it all worked out in the end. But anyways, let's dive into the benefits of returns optimization. Let's do it. Great. Well, David, I think before we can actually get into the benefits, we need to look at why shoppers are returning products. So I read an article the other day by Shopify where they had broke down some percentages of why shoppers were returning their items. So 30% said the item was too small. 22% said the item was too large. Not as described was at 5% and so on. So are you noticing any trends here, David? Yeah, from the looks of it, most, if not all of those reasons sound like they can be prevented or put another way, they're within the retailer's control. Exactly. 
returns data unlocks powerful information, such as these percentages, which allow retailers to see where things are going wrong in their processes so they can make the right adjustments to fix them. And without returns data, merchants won't see the full picture and won't have the depth of info on their products or shoppers to keep growing. Interesting. That's a good strategy. But why is optimization so important versus, let's say, you know, just in- incentivizing shoppers who return an item to make an exchange? Yeah, that's a great question. Incentivizing shoppers to choose an exchange over a refund or store credit could help a lot of brands scale to new heights. But with the growing number of exchanges, new problems continue to pop up. Exchanges don't make sense for every product. T-shirts, yep, works great. Broken sunglasses, not so much. Shoppers can also game the system. They learn they can get discounts. Every time they buy something, they can get a 10% discount if they return it. Then if they do that, they may get blacklisted and bam, all the money you spent to acquire that customer gets wasted and you've now lost a customer. That's such a good point. One of the questions that retailers can ask themselves is who are my most profitable customers? And normally your most profitable customers are people who return the most stuff, ironically. But there are two other points that I'll add here. Making exchanges easier for shoppers doesn't always correlate with meaning that a merchant can process them any quicker. It doesn't mean they can liquidate it faster, resell it any better. So overall, without that operational efficiency, there can be problems. Also, exchanges don't cover items covered by warranties, which begs the question, if we're also focused on making exchanges as easy as possible for our teams and for shoppers, why should warranties be treated any different? But that's that's a handful of things. Let's boil that down to one simple sentence here. Exchanges are a tool you can use, not a long-term strategy. Right. And that's not to say that exchanges aren't great for things like revenue, retention, and growth, because they are. But they're only a piece of a much larger puzzle. As an e-commerce brand, the real strategy for growth is knowing where your scalability choke points are and then acting accordingly. Absolutely. So why does all this matter? What data matters? What should merchants be measuring? How do they actually optimize returns? Is it just as easy as you know checking their return rates all the time? What do they do? Unfortunately, no. Just checking your return rates is not enough. Yeah, I feel like there's something missing here. Ah, that's right. We haven't mentioned the operational side. I feel like just warehouse and ops teams don't get enough love and attention when it comes to returns. You know, David, they really don't. And the thing is, we're missing the answers to questions like, how fast are items moving through different RMA stages? How many returns are in each RMA stage? What condition are items in when the warehouse team gets them back? How do repeat shoppers compare to first-time shoppers? How do these metrics compare over time? And how much time and labor are spent on these manual processes? That's a mouthful, but it's true. And it makes sense because returns cost retailers a substantial amount of money. Time, labor, shipping costs, all of that adds up real quick as you scale. Right. And the same Shopify article that I had mentioned earlier also said that 62% of customers expect an exchange or refund within 30 days of purchase. So we can really see how important operational efficiency actually is. Wow. So we've established that returns data is crucial, 
because the ultimate level of profitability a merchant can achieve is based on data gathered from three places, shoppers, products, and policies. That's right, David. And most merchants don't have a returns problem so much as they have a measurement problem. Good returns data from your products and operations lead to confident decisions, which leads to more sales, less returns, and more profits. Yeah. And without leveraging your returns analytics, you're leaking money somewhere, and it can be difficult to pinpoint where. So this data provides visibility to key insights on how to optimize your business for future growth. Well said. So, you know, we've talked a lot about returns optimization and what that actually is. So how do our retailers get there? Yeah, that's a great question. Scaling e-commerce brands know that returns data unlocks a path to future growth. Once you know what to measure, and once you're able to act on what your returns data is telling you, you can find a new competitive advantage or areas for improvement. So David, do you think you could give us an example of this? Yeah, um, there's actually a story that comes to mind. I was talking to somebody uh, yesterday. So they basically had a new fall line that came out and they noticed that one of their items had a high return rate. I think it was like 40 or 50%, like way, way out of the ordinary. So what we did was we dug into their returns data with them. We looked to their return reasons, primary and secondary ones, return comments, um, and ultimately, what we realized was the retailer sizing from last year's product was very different from this year's. Not ideal, but now the retailer knows where this problem came from and they can do something about it. So, Travis, if you were this retailer, what would you do in this circumstance? Yeah, so I can think of probably five things that immediately come to mind, but I'll just give you a couple. Uh, one would be improving the product page. So the retailer can take new product photos, improve their sizing guide, and can add their return policy for the item to the product page. Overall, this will improve their product description page in a, as a whole. And then the second thing is reviewing product sourcing. So the retailer can connect with their manufacturer and see if there are any improvements that can be made to the material or see what changes were made in the manufacturing process from last year's line to this current year's line. I guess what are the three we're going to be? Yeah, go for it. All right. I'm going to guess number three would be update ad spend. So a retailer can lower their ad spend on those items that are have high return rates and reallocate those funds to items that are selling well and that have lower return rates. Guessing the next one, number four, would have been monitoring the team's response. So a retailer can monitor how fast their team is processing returns for processing returns for the item to make sure they're correcting the customer problem as quickly as possible. And the last one, if I had to guess, is just eva evaluating these results over time. So a retailer can keep a close eye on returns for that item and check back, see how those improvements have impacted their return rates over time. But I'd say all this boils down to one simple sentence. All in all, the only way to fix a problem is to know it exists. Product returns data can tell you that and then some. Yeah. So, you know, it sounds like the rise of returns optimization is just getting started. So where is it headed and what does that mean for merchants? All right, bear with me here, Travis. So not to get all Michio Kaku on you, but the future of returns optimization relies heavily on returns data, obviously. The biggest limitation that merchants face right now is returns data scattered all over the place. 
merchants have ERPs, they have VPLs, WMSs, you know, all those acronyms everybody uses all the time. Point is, returns data wants to flow through all those different tools, but right now it's not easy. Right now, merchants have to rely on companies like us to build native integrations for every tool imaginable. It takes time, it's cumbersome, expensive, and honestly, some of the integrations that get built flat out don't work for some retailers. But to give you an analogy, let's say I wanted to give my nephew a set of Legos for the holidays. Would I take out those Legos, build it for him and say, hey, here you go? No, I give him the pieces so that he can build what he wants. Michael, if you're listening, you're getting Legos for the holidays. All jokes aside, this future state where people can unify all their returns data is only possible with one way, APIs. But let's not hop into technical stuff quite yet, Travis, but who knows, maybe we can do a future episode on this down the road. I mean, you do make the podcast schedule, David, so you let me know when you're ready to dig into APIs. Uh, maybe we save that for after the holidays. That sounds like an excellent plan to me. Well, that's all we have for today, folks. I want to give a special thanks to David for joining me on today's episode, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Catch another episode, learn more at returnlogic.com, and find us on YouTube. And I'll see you back here on the Returns Management Podcast. <laughs>